Hi, everybody. This episode was recorded last fall at VMworld 2015 in San Francisco. Our guest today is William Lamb. William moved from being a VMware customer and a very active blogger to being a voice of the customer inside VMware R&D. Thanks to Mark Brown of the EMC Select podcast for the use of his audio gear at the show and for finding the files when we thought that they were lost forever at the bottom of the briny digital ocean. Enjoy the show. And welcome back. It's another week of The Geek Whispers. I'm Amy Lewis. I'm Matt Brender. And I'm John Mark Troyer. And we have a very special guest with us this week, William Lamb. William, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. My name is uh, William Lamb. I'm a uh, staff engineer working within VMware R&D. I've been at VMware for almost four years now. Well, awesome. And I should say, if uh, we can't cancel out all the ambient noise, you are, you're joining us live from the floor of VMworld 2015, and there are people playing ping pong and pool and all sorts of things. So if cheers erupt, just pretend it's for us and the awesome conversation that we're having. <laughs> William, talk to us about how long have you been in your current position? So I've been in R&D for a couple of years now. I would say probably about two and a half years now, I think. I originally joined VMware as a uh, technical marketing engineer. I actually came in as a customer, and I've been a customer of VMware for over six years, so it's kind of interesting to transition in beyond the other side of the vendor house. So talk to me a little bit about R&D. You're the first person we've had who came in with that title, so help everybody figure out what that's about, what drew you to it. Give us a little history. Being on the customer front, I wanted to always kind of work with engineering, kind of help you know improve our products over time, and I found that I can now be more impactful and really helping create that impact internally from VMware and kind of be the voice of the customer be sort of our customer evangelist and bringing some of that information back into Core and D. You know, oftentimes our customers talk to the product managers or individual engineers, and sometimes that message gets muddled a little bit. So I want to provide that content, you know, as fresh as possible and bringing that closely to the engineers. And so working my way through, you know, technical marketing, being customer zero, I found myself kind of traversing more and more closer to R&D just because I want to be closer to the engineers and help be part of the solution, not only around the designs, but the usability aspects. A couple of years later, it just kind of, it's kind of happened. I don't know how it actually came to be. And so it's, it's kind of an interesting role. It's always interesting to talk about what I end up doing. Yeah, it's crazy talk too. You're, uh, yeah, we've got, Everybody, we've got nobody can believe you No took one that can job. believe that William Lamb came in as a customer. <laughs> But it's really interesting to me how you thought that the best way to solve your experiences as a customer was to get further and further to engineering as opposed to being the person that's like sharing more and more information. Like I, I think there's something special about that. It, it sounds like you might be more of a tinkerer and you like to tell people how the nerd knobs twist. Yeah, definitely. I would say a little bit of both things. I mean, I definitely like... I get, you know, I love a lot of different topics, you know, a lot of the new technologies, and that allows me to kind of play with different things. And that's one of the things I really enjoy working at VMware is that every week I'm working with something different. You know, today it could be vSAN, tomorrow might be NSX. Um, but not only tinkering, kind of finding what breaks the products to ensure that you know we build solid products for our customers, but I also like sharing that information back out there. And um, how can they enable our products and enabling new use cases? That's the piece I really enjoy. And so I try to do that as a blogger and even when I was a customer, sharing my experiences and then kind of having that engagement coming back in from the customer. So that's been really rewarding, right? William, how did you get started in the, the whole blogging game? You, you were an early blogger. I remember working with you. Ah, boy, I think I remember the first time I shook your hand, in fact, somewhere in Moscone here. But I'm just kind of curious. How did you get into it and why did you get into it? 
it's, it's a great question, actually. Funny enough, I did not think that this blogging thing was ever going to take off. <laughs> I actually pushed it off for quite some time. You know, I have to give a lot of thanks to guys like Scott Lowe, Mike Laverick, and Duncan Epping. They've been really great uh, mentors for me in terms of, you know, what they've been doing and kind of paving this road for a lot of our bloggers. You know, when I started as a customer, I, you know, solving problems both internally as well as externally. And I used to share those solutions on our community forums. And that's really the only place I kind of engaged with customers and partners and VMware. And Duncan started picking up these things and said, hey, you know, you're doing a lot of good stuff. Why don't you start a blog? And for the longest time now, I just said, eh, I don't know if this is going to take off, who would read it. So I pushed it off actually for a couple of years. And then finally decided to kind of take a step in and said, all right, we'll try this really quickly and see, you know, if it'll take off or not, sign up for a domain. And several years later, you know, we're kind of here and it's just kind of interesting to kind of see where the progression came from. And it's kind of hard to see that that's you know, okay. the from it. I have to ask then, when you named your blog, uh, it, and I'm going so to get the story, right? Is it because I've, I've often said I named myself Comms Ninja almost as a joke because I didn't think this Twitter thing was going to take off. So tell everybody the name of your blog and tell me, was that like intentional or did you go, uh, it's, not, you know? Yeah, so there's actually a good, good story behind the blog name, actually. So my blog is virtuallyghetto.com for those of you who don't know. And uh, at the time when I was a customer, I went to school at UC Santa Barbara, and we were sort of getting into virtualization very early on. Um, that's actually one of the reasons I got into this particular space was that, you know, we had a lot of servers working in the IT help desk, and uh, we found that we were running a lot of servers underutilized, and we wanted to see, you know, how can we make that more efficient and kind of discover this thing called GSX at the time. So we started playing with it a little bit. I wrote a lot of scripts to kind of help do backups, and working with my colleague, Tuan, he's like, hey, you know, we can't afford VCB at the time, which is VMware's original backup product. And this was, you know, maybe 2006, 2007 timeframe. Could you put something together? And then I said, yeah, let me take a look at what I can do. So I created this backup script that worked very similar to VCB, you know, basically taking a snapshot and then backing up the VMs, right? Pretty straightforward. Um, but at the time, being a small university, slowly getting into virtualization, we didn't have the budget. We had to kind of convince people that this was going to take off. And so I created this script and he asked me, how does it work? So I kind of gave him the explanation. He's like, well, that sounds like VCB but like a ghetto version of it. <laughs> and that kind of stuck with me. And so years later, when we, you know, I started to think about what should I name the blog, you know, nothing came out. I wanted something to be it was memorable, something that you can easily just roll off the tongue. And at the time, it's like virtualization, ghetto. A lot of my scripts had ghetto prefixes in it anyway. So why not put the two together? I, I wasn't sure people were going to like it. You know, you're either going to like it or you're going to hate it, right? And I think people are pretty receptive at the interesting stories is we you know when you have CIOs and execs saying, you know, why is my chief architect <laughs> reading this virtually what? Like, what are you reading? What I love about that so much, William, is that it gets this idea that you're doing the best you can and you're getting the job done with the code. The code might not be the most pristine, like, separated out functions and classes and, like, everything a computer science major would be happy about, no matter how much you study it. It just, it gets things done. And uh, that's intimidating to people to think of everyone else as being really good at coding when really you're just like, yeah, I'm going to own this ghetto thing and just roll with it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of people know me for the things I do in automation and APIs, but if you think about it, I was never that, you know, years ago. I started not knowing anything, right? Um, one story I can tell, you know, right after coming out of college, one of my first jobs was to figure out, you know, when an ESXi host fails, give me a report to my manager on what EVMs were impacted and also the applications that were impacted so that we can actually notify the system owners and the application owner. That was my first job out of college. And, you know, I have a computer science background, but I'm not a developer by nature. I knew that, hey, it's not what I wanted to get into. I knew I was not good at it, so I'm going to stay away from it. But, you know, coming out of college, knew a little bit of Java, and I started hacking around with the database. 
at the time, you know, I wasn't using any of VMware's APIs. I didn't even know about them. And over the years, I realized, like, I wasn't able to solve the problem that I was trying to solve. I ended up trying to, you know, do all these hacks, databases, and started to understand, like, there must be a better way. There really should be a better way of kind of interacting with the system and start to learn about APIs, automations. And so over time, started to learn about it. You know, again, I started not knowing anything, kind of slowly building up that knowledge. And over the years, I've been fortunate enough to work with VMware products across the board and kind of building up that experience and then sharing that back with the community. And so years ago, I mean, that's kind of where I came from too, right? It's yeah. Well, you, you got into talking about APIs, and one of the things you would look at is whether they're published or unpublished, right? You started to figure out how to look at uh, mostly VMware products uh, and their interfaces and get them to do things they maybe weren't even designed to do at the time. So you're, you were starting to be a prolific blogger. You were a customer. You were doing your job. At what point did you start to think about maybe going to VMware, or was that, you know, was that a long thought-out process, a planned process, or was that uh, a bolt of lightning? So at the time, you know, I was I was been fortunate enough to work for some very large vendors, and we got to solve some really, really interesting use cases. So at the time, at least what I thought it was, I would never join a vendor. You were doing stuff, you were busy, yep. you were doing good work, it was interesting. Exactly, and, and I was like, hey, I'm doing some really cool stuff here, unless that starts to change. Can't see myself ever being at the vendor side, but what I realized over time was that I can be a person that just says, hey, your product sucks, or you should do this, you should do that. Why not be part of that solution? And so at some point in time, I figured that instead of being the person that says, hey, here's the feedback, come back and fix it, I want to kind of be part of that overall solution and kind of help guide them and kind of help drive some of that, you know, and have some responsibility for the product. And at some point, I figured that I would have a bigger impact than just doing what I'm doing today, just sharing either on the blog or talking to engineering, was that I can be on the other side and try to have an impact and really be the voice of the customer because that's kind of where I've come from. And I still keep that true to myself when I'm talking to our engineers and product managers. And sometimes I have some really heated debates with them where they don't want to hear this stuff. And I'm like, that's what our customers want and really putting them on the forefront. Can I ask a quick question about that? Just even when you got started, how do you keep your street cred? Like we're talking, we're talking virtual ghetto here. How do you keep your street cred and that independent mind so that you can be honest as you pass that information? Because I doubt it's always that well received. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, maybe t- it is, but you know well, what I mean. Yeah, I think a couple of years ago, you know, there was a big transition in terms of what, what we saw was, you know, a lot of the great bloggers, independent bloggers, slowly transitioned to these various vendors for various reasons, right? Great opportunities and everything. And one of the things that people were noticing was that, you know, these independent voices started to kind of go away. Everybody has their day job. You start to get pulled into various things. There's different opportunities. And I didn't want to be seen as one of those folks who's transitioned in and you become the corporate guy, salesy stuff, fluffy stuff. I'll tell it straight as it is. And so I really try to keep that true. And in terms of the streetcar that you're asking about is really still using the products day in, day out. Literally, I can say that I still use all of our VMware products day in, day out in my home lab. I have a decent sized lab and um, just really interacting with customers. Uh, you know, I may not go through all the extensive use cases that our customers really drive our products in the scale, but I want to make sure that I keep my hands in the, in the tech side, talk to engineering, talk to product managers, talk to our customers, and making sure that I'm always aware of these use cases and the problems that they're still facing so that I have something that I can bring into engineering and vice versa and sharing that back with our customers. I love, it's like method acting. It's like, you know, home lab is key to method acting, yeah. right? I was curious, when it comes to the role of being that customer advocate, do you follow the same pathways as other engineers? Are are you entering tickets into the ticketing system? Are you pulling from source code and getting to see the latest builds? Like, do you have the permissions in the tools that enable you to, to really get in there and help change things? Or do people, you know, kind of 
stiff arm your head away from that level of detail? It's a little bit of everything, I guess. Uh, yeah, I definitely am. At certain times, I will basically be filing tickets for the customers. I will oftentimes I'm digging into our source code. Sometimes dangerous may not want that. <laughs> Find some goodies in there from time to time. But there's no really straight methodology. It's kind of a strange role that I kind of have because, you know, some people have compared me to, you know, coming in and doing the tech marketing blog and that kind of made sense. But then I also use products, talk to our customers, try to get those feedback in. What new use cases can we enable customers? And so some folks kind of say, hey, you might be putting on like a product manager's hat. And then I'm also, you know, digging into the code, scripting. So like, well, you can also be considered as an engineer. And so it's kind of this weird role. And so anytime I get asked sort of what do you do, it's really hard to quantify that in a very short amount of time. It's sort of like I do a little bit of everything, I guess. You know? I got to say, I'm not going to phrase this in, term, in form of a question. I got to say, William, watching you in action inside the company, even we weren't in the same department or anything like that, but you brought this blogger spirit in, I think, to the organization that really doesn't care about swim lanes, really doesn't care about like what the project is supposed to happen. It's about what's right for the customer. And over and over again, I saw you and, and folks like Duncan and others, and often folks from the external blogging community saying, no, wait a minute, this is not working right. This is not treating our customer right. We've got to do it this way, or you have forgotten about this, or you know, this, this is, we've got to fix this. And or bringing solutions, or I already fixed it. Here's a here's a way of fixing it. So were you were you surprised that people uh, knew who you? Some I, I understand some people knew who you were when you came into the company. Was that surprising? And has it been surprising to uh, keep in that street cred? Or have people been surprised? Yeah. Or, um, or no, it's it's actually really humbling. I mean, well, I respect a lot of these engineers. I mean, I've used some of these features like VMotion, super DR. smart. I mean, it's like you know, I'm like I want to meet all these these guys and and it was interesting um when i get you know emails saying hey you know glad you joined it, it's really humbling to hear the engineers say hey i've used this blog article to help me solve a particular problem like you're like what? you're the one that created this feature i'm like this is awesome right <laughs> um but i think one of the things that i thought at least i helped try to bring internally is sort of connecting our customers I, it's something that we've heard internally is sort of, you know, there's some distance from customers from time to time, especially our engineers who work on code. You know, the guy that's working kernel code you can say that's what he's been working on. That's what he should be focused on. But at the same time, they do want to know how their features are being consumed. And oftentimes there's never been that kind of voice bridging product managers, internal engineering, and just kind of hearing those stories. So I felt like the blogs help share some of that context. And a lot of engineers enjoyed not reading just my blog, but many of our other engineers, our other bloggers, basically, and getting those stories and they can understand what are the use cases, how are my products being used, how can I make it better? So I feel like that piece of it was, was something that it just got enabled, you know, by kind of talking to the engineers. And, yeah, it's, it's kind of strange. I mean, I wasn't expecting to do that, but it just... It kind of happened naturally. It's like, oh, I blogged about this thing. There's an issue. Or, hey, it'd be cool if you did this. Share it internally. And the engineers are super open about it. The thing, they're not against it. They're like, we would love for people to get feedback. And so I think hopefully, you know, provide more of an open transparency from an internal standpoint and just kind of sharing all this knowledge and information across the different people. It's one thing that it's been enabled by the social channels and by, and I think it makes it easier. Not that it didn't happen before, but, you know, all the user groups, all the social channels, all the, the fact that that. A company now has many voices speaking, not just not just one and not just the sales force. And it's enabling a personal brand to, to be the glue between the customer and an engineer. I think there is really something special about going back to somebody. I'll never forget when I was at EMC, there is somebody who wrote like a VMware integration with one of the products I was working on. And I had gone to a VMUG and came back. I'm like, 
I just got six compliments on your product, on like the code you wrote. I know you wrote it. And he's like, people use my code? <laughs> I've never seen that man more happy. And I talked to amazing UI designers who like, they're, they're so passionate about it working out the right way. So there, there really is a gap. And I guess to twist it into a conversation, it's, is this like a systemic problem inside engineering that needs a role? Or do you think it's actually good that you have this kind of ghetto set of skills that need to be applied in a certain way. We should talk to our HR to see if we can open up a ghetto role. <laughs> Job record. Ghetto evangelist? Yeah, do you go. think that's the next <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if Robin would like that or not. But, um, you know, I, I, I definitely think there is a there is definitely a gap there. Uh, and I think not just outside of our particular field, but I think just having more and more ties from our customers and kind of bringing that voice in constantly and having this sort of feedback loop. If you look at where things are going from a development standpoint, we're getting more into this agile methodology, you know, actively building just enough, right? I don't want to use the word MVP and it's kind of a little bit overused, but there was this good phrase I was reading an article about where instead of building an MVP, you know, build a lovable product. So M love P, you know, is it a lovable product, right? Because what you consider viable may not be viable to somebody else. And so really building a product that people will love and just getting the active feedback. And so I think from an engineering standpoint, that's definitely something we want to continue. And so I think having a role or at least having folks to bridge that voice between our customers and our engineering and product management team, it's something that's very critical in my opinion. William, you're here in Silicon Valley. You know, VMware is in Palo Alto. Ground Zero. Do you have friends that work at other that smaller companies, startups and things like that? Yes, I do, actually. Uh, you know, a lot of friends in various startups in Silicon Valley, uh, as well as outside of Silicon Valley as well, too. So how do you would you compare the kind of culture and, and methodology inside VMware to maybe some either the Googles of the world or the smaller companies of the world? Because I've heard it said by somebody who was a little bit cynical. They were asked the question, you know, is VMware the last of the old school companies or the first of the new school companies? That guy actually quit and joined Facebook. So he kind of voted with his feet. But I'm just kind of curious because we are... We, I'm not, I don't work for VMware anymore, but you know, we were kind of a big old school release once a year kind of company, and I saw changes start to happen. But I don't know, how do you, what's your experience been like versus like what's some from your friends at other comp- engineering companies? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, VMware's you know, close to 15 years now, and it's been a great journey. And you know, we're going through this next level of transformation in our entire industry, everything's getting disruptive. And I think we're starting to see a lot of that disruption happen internally. And we're seeing smaller groups forming up, you know, following this agile methodology. And you're seeing smaller teams being formed. And so I start, I do see that. I mean, there are certain times where you still see the classic, you know, waterfall methodologies. But engineers are figuring that out, like, hey, to be more effective in this new world, you really have to start changing, be different in that. And so I do start to see pockets of that, you know, things like the Alpha CTO, we recently did a fling where you know just had two engineers working on this UI and literally actively engaging our customers and getting that feedback in real time. Customers ask for something on Twitter and they literally implement in a couple of minutes, right? And so I'm definitely seeing that. And and you know, as a smaller startup, you are a little bit more nimble. We are definitely a big company, but we are recognizing that. And you know, I definitely see those changes happening internally. The role sounds fascinating. If you, from the position you sit in now, looking back, if somebody asked you how to get there, are there decision points that you can point to, that things that you did that would lead you to this path? Do you think it's the kind of career path somebody can seek, or do you think they have to kind of put in time, build foundational stuff, and get there? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. Um, I don't know if I have a good answer for it. Every day I still kind of think about, like, how do I, how did I get here? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't think there is, like, a one path to it. If I were to give some tips around that, try to stay passionate of what I really enjoyed None of this was really planned out, per se. I thought I was just going to be always on the customer front. 
you know, never working for a vendor. That was never really planned. And then going from tech marketing, never thought I'd go into engineering. It was just like, okay, that's not me. I think really just kind of staying passionate and living it day by day. And I feel like that so far has worked out pretty well for me. It's not really a good answer. <laughs> no, it's a great answer, actually. It's authentic. And what about some of the roads not taken? Have you? Do you look back and go, I was tempted to do that because it seemed easier or because it seemed right or everybody pushed yeah. me, but you did this instead? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I do think about this from time to time, especially, you know, listening to you guys in terms of career path and development. I do think about this from time to time. There are times where there could be an easy path or like, oh, this is a safe route or, hey, this is a out there type of thing. But not all roles and or jobs in general will always turn out the way that you, you think will be. I mean, a lot of people may look and say, you got it easy or, hey, you had this nice flow to get where you're at. But in reality, I had some challenges myself. And to give you one example, there was this role that I took on. I was hired on to, um, to, to do VMware administration, but that was not the role that it eventually translated to and ended up doing something completely different, actually, like back-end application support, which, you know, that was an interesting altogether and kind of learned about how ad search engines and all that kind of stuff worked. That was interesting because it's kind of like a nice little surprise, a hidden surprise that I didn't expect because what I found was that I wasn't really enjoying the role per se, but what that forced me to do or what got me going after, you know, my nine to five shift was to work on open source projects, create a lot of scripts, continue sharing with that community. So during that period of time, even though I was not necessarily enjoying the role or just wasn't a good fit for me personally, I was able to kind of channel my passion and started doing a lot of VMware scripting, started sharing a lot of that with the community. And I actually ended up landing my next role because there was another admin out there that actually noticed that and said, hey, you know, you're doing all this cool stuff. Would you want to come and do something really cool with us using VMware? And so at the time, that wasn't in a great spot, but I just kind of kept to the what I enjoyed doing from a passion perspective. And I think that's something I would kind of recommend to folks is just, you know, use that as your internal compass. And now looking back, you know, I don't regret the changes. I'm glad I got through that because, A, I got to learn something completely new in terms of advertisements and how that works, which is a really crazy world. But it also allowed me to kind of progress to the next step. And so you may not always see where you end up, right? It's always kind of looking back and you're like, they all kind of connected. And so I, I think that's the piece, I would, you know, in terms of if I were to give any kind of feedback, that'd be the one piece. Yeah, the only other thing I'd, I'd want to ask you, William, is I know you don't try too intentionally to think looking forward. It's looking backwards and seeing that the dots are connected. But that said, you also said that you're on a journey here, like where you're, you're connecting dots from engineering to customer. Do you think there's a natural progression where you want to land personally in your career? Or are you still in this go with the flow, there's a big world ahead of us kind of a thing? Definitely on the latter side. It's uh, career development for myself. It's Personally, it's always been a strange thing. I never really thought about it and when I do it just nothing really makes sense at the moment for me so I've been kind of just playing it by ear and uh, I think so far it's been roughly successful from what I can see but I, I never know right and so I yeah it's, it's a strange one I guess uh, well you know it's a little bit of planning a little bit of you know, dream, rock and roll a little bit of well a little bit of dreaming about the future but then also you kind of see what comes up and what's what opportunities come to you as well as what opportunities you make right it's, it's, yeah, life. it's life you never yeah. quite expect exactly. uh, you're a there's new no, father you never you know there's all sorts of new things that happen all the time yeah I think for a lot of us there's no straight line right it's, it's gonna be left turns right turns maybe going a couple of steps back or forward and so hopefully just sticking to gut feeling and kind of staying passionate and, and see where the next set of journeys lie if you had to give advice to folks starting out do you have any uh, advice or words of wisdom for somebody that's maybe a customer but kind of you know getting into uh, you know getting into the tech and kind of seeing how it ticks taking the clock apart and looking at the gears i mean any any advice for what's worked for you just persevere. 
really being passionate about what you do. I mean, if you love doing that kind of stuff, it's going to show. And like I said, you know, I, I started from nothing in terms of, you know, just not knowing, you know, what I was doing, basically, literally, <laughs> especially on the guy in automation, yeah, yeah. right? So we all kind of started from somewhere. And so I think as long as you're passionate and just keeping true to yourself and kind of having that being your compass and all that, good things will come. You know, it may not, you may not see it immediately, but at some point in time, you know, those things will pay off. And we see that with a lot of other folks in the community where they just said, hey, I'm interested in this particular topic. And next thing you know, they are the foremost experts in these certain areas. Okay, I, I have to get you involved in a fight because that's fun. So, you know, you're on the engineering side, but I'm hearing, I'm loving how much you're talking about use your gut as your internal compass. So gut versus metrics. Render doesn't get to comment. Where do you stand? <laughs> I object. <laughs> I object to this false dichotomy. I'm going to have to side with the on the gut side. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me as I flip the table we're podcasting on. <laughs> All right. I always got to do that tongue-in-cheek. I do have one serious last question, which is you're such a positive person. I love this conversation, but we love to ask, you know, if you're looking at those those young technologists coming up and uh, you spare them the pain of one mistake you've made or something you tell them, please never do this again. What would you tell them? So sometimes you may not always be in the best position. I'd say, you know, I guess I go back to an earlier point that I made was that you may be in a role or you may be working on something that you may feel that just doesn't connect, but keep that passion, whatever you're passionate about, just keep it. It's going to take you somewhere and you're going to sort of find your way through it. I think I like that. So sort of fulfill the commitment and but keep your own fire, know where your center is. Yeah. And it kind of helps you because you may not see it, but it could take you to a slightly different direction. But I think if you keep that passion, it's going to lead you to the right point and don't let that kind of scare you off. Sometimes I feel like sometimes you might say, here's this new thing that I'm not sure about. And it's kind of not comfortable with this. And you're going to like, I'm going to go run away from it. And I think a lot of us, you know, we have fears on a variety of different things and all that. And sometimes it's sort of walk towards it, be cautious, but keep that passion and kind of go towards it. And I think you'll see something that's good out of it. It's hard to see that now, but I think when you look back, you see that it was actually a good thing. All right. That is a great advice. So, William, if people are, are looking for you, we know Virtual Ghetto, obviously, is your, your blog. But where else can they find you? Where yeah, can they- I'm also on uh, Twitter uh, at LambW. Uh, feel free to reach out or follow and reach out. I'm pretty active on Twitter. Awesome. You know what? We really appreciate your time. We know you're so busy here. So thanks a bunch. Oh, thanks for having me. And until next time, Geek Whispers out. You've been listening to the Geek Whispers. Tune in on iTunes or Stitcher for regular stories of technology careers, cultures, and lives. Share it with a friend or invite us to an event through our website, geek-whispers.com. Find us on Twitter at geek underscore whispers, Jay Troyer, MJ Brender, and Comms Ninja. Thanks for listening.